You'll notice behind me there's a a banner. We've got a new series. We're kicking off a series called Spirited. We want to have a look at the acts of Jesus and the way in which he acts through people. Uh, So it's going to be a great series over the next coming weeks. So what we would like you to do is maybe grab your Bible. You might need to scoot out to another room and grab it, fossick around and find it. You might already have it with you. We're looking at the book of Acts and we want you to have a look at chapters 1 and 2. We did an interesting thing. We asked one of uh, the people of New Community, Lindy, to have a think about one of the stories in the beginning of that book of Acts, uh, a time when the Holy Spirit came called Pentecost. And we asked her to imagine what it would have been like to have been right there in the moment, what would have gone on in her and what she would have felt and thought. This is what she shared. So let me tell you what happened then. Well, we were all in the forecourt. So there was all of us. There was Peter, John, James, Matthew, Andrew, Matthias, everybody and their wives and and us and Mary, of course, and, you know, the usual. And then there was this enormous sound like it and it just was moving through the building and the forecourts. It was just so loud and and. And came with this wind. It was just bursting through. And we all, whoa, what's going on? And then as you look, there was like this, um, there were like these flames or, or, or like a glow of light and tongues and tongues of fire, I guess. And, and, and they settled where we were and then they separated and then, and then settled on each person. It was extraordinary and there was like we were just in shock and awe and then, as you do, everybody just started talking about it and we realised that there was a whole bunch of languages happening all at the same time and, um, oh, my gosh, <laughs> people that were there outside the temple and also around, they they could hear the commotion and they wondered what the phenomena was with the weather and uh, and they could hear all of us talking at once and so it drew a really big crowd and and what people were saying cuz i mean jerusalem it's just full of jews from all over the world so many different places and so many different languages and so what was happening was they were hearing their own language spoken <laughs> like from us, from us, like we, we don't speak other languages. It was, it was really wild and amazing. And what was being said was just all about God, like just how all the wonders of him and how amazing he is. And, and it just kept drawing a bigger and bigger crowd. There were thousands of people came kind of running, wondering what was going on. Um, and then some smart ass, sorry. Uh, actually decided that we were drunk and that this was all just a hoax, blah de blah So Peter, bless him, Peter, who doesn't like public speaking, Peter got up and said, no, we're not all drunk. This is actually just like the prophet said, like Joel said, this is the Holy Spirit coming. This, And, and he went on. Oh, he talked for a while, I have to tell you. He talked for a long time to those people. At, I, I was just astounded. That guy hates being on a stage. It's amazing. And he was talking about Jesus and he was talking about Jesus' life and what had happened in Jerusalem. Like 
you know, those four months ago and the fact that he was alive and that this was the spirit here and, and there was awe and wonder amongst everybody. Everybody was listening and everybody was hearing in their own language. Amazing. And so then he says, like we always have, be be baptized, change, move away from the culture you're in, move toward Jesus, let him actually direct your life. Let his example be your example. Put your hand up and the Holy Spirit will be yours. This experience of the Holy Spirit is for you and your family and your children and generations after. (laughs) Well, you know, it was a no-brainer really. And so there were thousands of people put their hand up and became baptized. And on that day, oh, I reckon, I don't know, two, three thousand, thousand. Amazing. And then afterwards, it just had so liberated the heaviness in our hearts and and we just wanted to hang out together. (laughs) And, you know, we would break into smaller groups and we would eat together in each other's houses and pray together and, um, and, and praise God together. But then we'd also meet and listen to the leaders and what they had to say. And every day, every day, there were more people coming and joining us. <laughs> this community, this new community of God um, that was so on fire for him and his love and full of the Holy Spirit. And we just, you know, you can't be in that place and not just love without condition and so we just shared everything there was no way people who were really needy were going to continue to be needy when the rest of us had plenty so we just shared everything we listened to the leaders we met together we just hung out together and had fun and and then we praised God together as well and we um ate together and we still do it's really great Sorry, Joel, just have to find the stop. Well, good morning and uh, thanks, Lindy. I can feel the excitement and the energy already. So good to have you here with us today, whether you're first time or whether you've been with us for a long time, just uh, appreciate you tuning in this morning in these circumstances. And uh, what I want to start with this morning is telling you a story. I remember when I was 19 years old, I was a leader at a youth camp down at Phillip Island. And it was during the course of that time when I went away to help um, lead that that camp with kids from all different churches and their friends came along. It was a time in my life where I was experiencing a whole lot of wrestle about priorities and which directions to head and what was most important to me. The only way I can describe the experience or the deeper experience I had of God during the course of that two weeks is to describe it something like God's liquid love being poured into me. So much so that I would would feel literally throughout the day this sense of God drawing me, softening my heart, softening my mind and my directions and my thoughts, such at the end of that two weeks, I found myself with a great reversal happening in my life. The things that I thought were most important to me were now reversed. And the pursuit and desire to want to know God more just started to bubble to the surface. 
It was like God had been in the, the passenger seat and I'd been in the driver's seat of my life. If you asked me, did I follow him? I'd say, of course I, I did, but he was kind of secondary. But all I can explain is that in the course of that two weeks, God did something really quite miraculous in my life. Looking back now, if you'd asked me, how did he do that? I would say he did it through the agency and the power of his spirit. And that's what we want to talk about over the coming eight weeks. We've selected eight stories from the book of Acts of the Apostles to highlight the power and the purpose and the person of the Spirit. And my desire is that this would not just be a series that we undertake and finish, but rather it would signal an ongoing desire and growth to have more of the Spirit's activity rippling through the life of our community. What my desire is and our desire is that there'll be a deeper openness to the Spirit, that people would find a freedom in the Spirit as we rely more on the Spirit to do His work in our lives. So this morning, wherever you find yourself, maybe you're sitting at home or maybe you're watching this this afternoon or maybe you're out in the foyer right now at MFE, I would invite you to be open afresh to the workings of the Spirit. So I'm going to pause right now and if you'd like to join with me, I'd like to pray and ask that God might meet with us this morning in a very real and fresh way. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for this day. It's glorious outside and the light is shining through and I ask that you might shine your light into our hearts and minds this day. Father, whether we think that we're far away from you or close, whether we're wrestling with things or perhaps we're trying to seek direction or facing a challenge in our lives, I ask and pray that you might reveal your son Jesus to us and that we might encounter your spirit afresh. I ask this in his name. Amen. If there's one desire and I hope I have for us is that we might encounter God's spirit in a fresh way. And to do that, we've been looking at or starting to look at the book of Luke, but actually he's written a a letter about a good news account about Jesus, but then he wrote a sequel, kind of like the the Hobbit, and then the, the sequel was The Lord of the Rings. He wrote a sequel titled The Acts of the Apostles, describing the actions of the apostles as the word about Jesus spread throughout the empire. But equally, he could have titled his book The Acts of Jesus because Jesus was alive and he was still working in and through people. But equally, he could have described his his book, The Acts of the Apostles, The Acts of the Spirit, Because that's exactly what was happening as the Spirit of God was breathing new life into followers of Jesus and they were being scattered throughout the entire empire. So over all this that we're going to be covering over the next eight weeks, my desire and our desire is that you and I might be spirited. That is that we might encounter the work and the person of Jesus and the Spirit afresh in our lives. So if you have your Bibles there with you, I'm just going to start to begin today and plunge in and to actually unpack the first story that we're going to be encountering, which is when the Spirit of God first breathed fresh life into his creation in the chapters of 1 and 2 in the book of Acts. And here's how it starts. It says, Jesus was speaking to them, and he says, As they were having a meal together, he told them not to go away from Jerusalem, but to wait, as he put it, for the Father's promise 
which he'd been telling them about earlier. And John baptized, Jesus says, with water, you see. But in a few days' time, Jesus tells them, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. These are really interesting words because Jesus actually says to them, I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. You see, in centuries before, if you characterize the nature of the the people of God, it was characterized by one of falling away and wandering away, seeking after other gods and goddesses. So much so that whenever God was faithfully turning towards them, they would follow him for a short period of time and then, if you like, turn away from him and follow other things. If you like, there were times in their history in which they were called to be the people of light, but they'd become the people of darkness. And so they had experienced a great judgment of God and they were in exile far away. And the people were wondering, what is it about the human beings that find it so hard to follow God? And the prophets began to conclude that the issue was the human heart. Ezekiel, one of the prophets, one of the spokesperson from God, put it this way. One day, God was going to breathe new life into humanity and he's going to fix their hearts. He's going to actually pour his spirit into them so that their stubborn, hard hearts will be made soft and pliable to God. If you like, he will pour his spirit into them and wash them clean and give them a fresh start and a new outlook with fresh life and fresh hope. And that is something that the God, the Father, had actually promised. And so when Jesus said these words, this wouldn't have been unfamiliar to those who were hearing it. He said, I want you to wait for the, the promise that the Father has made for this transformation, this inner transformation of the heart. And they were to wait for it in a few short days' time. He said he described it, it would be like being baptized just like john the cousin of jesus had plunged people under the water to signify a new identity with this coming person of jesus he said so too you will be baptized and immersed in the spirit now if you're sitting this morning and you have a cup of tea or coffee and you're watching this right now you might have a biscuit right next to you and you might be pushing that biscuit and plunging it into the cup of tea or coffee that's just the simple word for for baptize it means to dip to immerse to plunge and what Jesus was saying to his followers is, I want you to wait, because after having waited, you will experience in a few short days time from now, this plunging, this dipping, this immersing, you will be dipped into the Holy Spirit. And so the story goes on and it goes like this. And what will happen, though, is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. You see, this word power here is the word for dynamite. And uh, it's not that God comes into people's lives and he blows them up, although that can be the experience of some people at times. There's such radical change. But for many people, this power that he's talking about is the kind of power that's not going to help you do more push-ups or chin-ups or run up a hill faster. What it is going to do is give you the power to actually experience God's life afresh in you. It will give you fresh hope and fresh vision, and fresh perspective, and fresh courage to be able to share who this person Jesus is in your life. That word witnesses there is the same word we have for martyrs. The first martyrs were just witnesses of what Jesus was doing in their life. And he says, you won't have to do it. The passage doesn't say you have to. It says that you will. You will. You will want to do it. You see, when Jesus' spirit comes into people's lives, when God's spirit blows fresh wind into someone's body... There's a new desire and there's a new appetite for God. 
Sometimes people are concerned that if they actually choose to follow Jesus, that they're concerned that their friends will judge them in a particular way. And uh, so they're reluctant to because of the reaction of others. I kind of say to those people who are wrestling with those, well, why don't you just get to know Jesus first? And then the two of you can work that out together. It'd be kind of like someone coming up to me and saying, Troy, I found the man or the woman of my dreams and I want to get married, but I don't want to tell anyone. And I'd look at them and I'd say, what do you mean? You don't want to tell anyone about it. Surely that's good news and you want to. It kind of wouldn't make sense. See, when you fall in love with someone else, when you get to know them intimately and deeply, you want to share your life with them. It's just natural that you'd want that to be a public thing and you want to share it with others. Same with Jesus. When you get to know Jesus, he kind of has a way of bubbling over and working through. And that's through the work of his spirit. And so what Jesus said to them, when, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to have a fresh energy, a fresh life, a fresh joy, a fresh vision, a fresh courage that will flow through you. And there'll be something of your life that would bear witness to who I am. But you're to wait. Well, that time of waiting had come. And the story goes on and it picks up. It says, when the day of Pentecost had finally arrived, they were all together in the same place. This word Pentecost was a great festival in the, in the Jewish nation. It signified, if you like, from 50 days from when the barley harvest had been begun and they would break off the first branches of the barley harvest and then they would count 50 days and then they would break the first fruits of their wheat harvest and people would come from all different places, Jewish people up to the temple, to actually offer their first fruits of the wheat as kind of a thanksgiving to God and asking that he might help them for the continued harvest. But it also signaled 50 days that the, the Jewish people had been released from slavery of Egypt. They'd been wandering in the wilderness and there they were standing before the Mount Sinai, the great mountain that Moses had gone up to and met with God and brought down his commandments. And so both of these images would have been playing in their minds at this festival. And Jesus says, if you like, at the, the festival of Pentecost, something extraordinary is going to happen. There's going to be a new release. There's going to be a fresh freedom, like there's a breaking of chains from the slavery of old, and there's going to be a new life that's going to be poured into them. And this is exactly what happens. But I've got to warn you right now, because the waiting leads to just some weirdness. So this is where the story gets really weird, because it goes on and says this. Suddenly there came from heaven, that's God's dimension, not the clouds, but from where God's sitting out of space, time, out of eyesight from ourselves, a noise like the sound of a strong blowing wind. Now for anyone who's in the mountains today, I just want to say this wasn't selected for you, but it's not the kind of blowing that would cause fear, but the kind of blowing and noise that would bring a joy. And it goes on and says this, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then tongues seemingly made a fire appeared to them, moving apart from the rest and settling on each one of them. This would have been an incredible experience. You would have had this encounter in which, if you like, if you watch a fire, you'll see the little flickering flames. If you watch a fire that's just active and, a, and that, that was kind of the experience they have as they heard the sound, as they were sitting in this room. It was as though like these, these tongues of fire would settle in, on each one of them. And, and as it settled on each one of them, this is actually what happened. It said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
so often the spirit is characterized by wind or by fire and began to speak to one another in languages they hadn't learned as the spirit gave them words to say. See, this miraculous, if you like, this weird event just happened where they heard this great noise. There was this wind blowing in the room and these descending sort of like fire shards landed on them. And they began to just spontaneously speak in languages that they hadn't heard before. And this is where it just got weird because it spilled out of the house and other people heard this. All the people, the Jewish people that had come from different countries began to hear them speaking about God in their own mother tongue. It goes on and it says this, as they were hearing and listening, they said, we can hear you saying things about the powerful things that God has done in our own languages. Some people observing this just said, well, all that babbling just sounds as though they've just had way too much to drink. (laughs) But Peter said, look, it's too early in the morning, partying's for the evening time, and this is morning time, I'm telling you, this is something of God. And it's weird. See, one of the things that people need to understand is, as followers of Jesus, you don't need to be weird because God is weird. In fact, just by definition... As we live in the natural world, if God is a supernatural God then, and he dwells in the natural and the supernatural, then we need to understand that God actually turns up in a supernatural way and into the world around about, that is constituted as being weird. Too often not, it's the Jesus followers that are weird and God's not weird enough. And so for people who follow Jesus, part of tapping into the supernatural is just acknowledging that God shows up in weird ways that we can't predict at times, but they are profound. And they are just his supernatural acting in the natural, in real ways. Last week, we started the Alpha course. And during the Alpha course, we stumbled upon just a common question that often comes up, which is proofs for God. So what are the proofs out there for the existence of God? One man put it this way. He said, I'm kind of like that doubting Thomas person. I kind of want to see Jesus for myself to believe. So we talked about what kind of proofs are out there. Someone suggested, well, when you look at creation, it's so intricately and wonderfully woven together in the fine tuning that allows us to exist. That causes me to think that it's pointing towards the design and the order of a creator God. That was a good point. Someone else put it this way. They said, when I think about atoms and molecules and human beings having a consciousness, I can't get my head around that. For me, that points to the existence of a personal God behind the creation that's actually orchestrating part of that that makes us to be able to have this conversation together. Another pointer, a good point. But then I turned to the person who actually was raising the question in the first place and I said, sometimes, in my experience, not often... God does show up in weird and amazing ways. And then I told him a story about a friend of mine who made a telephone call to me many, many years ago out of the blue that was entirely unpredicted, but that God had spoken to me about. Bron and I had been studying over in Portland, Oregon, and I had a friend back home, a best friend who wasn't a Jesus follower, but encouraged me to go and study. He thought that would be a good thing for me, so I did. And I remember praying one time over in Portland, Oregon, far away from home without any contact. And in the middle of that prayer time, I was interrupted by the voice of God. Now, whether it was inside or outside, I don't know, but it kind of went like this. 
Troy, pray for, and let's just call him John. I want you to pray for John. So in the middle of my prayer time, I just sort of bolted up because that's not a common experience to me. And I just said, well, God, I just want to pray for John. And then I said, what next? In my mind, I just said, God, what else do you want me to pray? He said, I want you to pray that John goes to church and makes a decision to follow me. I said, but, but he doesn't go to church. He said, just pray. And so I prayed. I said, God, I just pray that John would go to church and he'd make a decision to follow you. Now, that was all I got, but I, that was enough. I got up uh, off the ground and I went to Bron and I said, you wouldn't believe this, but I, God just spoke to me. Well, sure enough, whenever someone from Australia would call, they would often get it wrong, the time's wrong, and they would call at ungodly hours. So the very next day, we're asleep in bed and the phone was just next to the, the bed and it rang at about two o'clock in the morning. I picked up the phone and I put it to my ear and my friend said to me, Troy, it's John. <laughs> I said, John, what are you calling me for? He said, I'm calling you just to let you know that I went to church this morning. I went, oh, I prayed that you'd go in the evening time. And I said, what did you do? And he said, I walked down the front and I decided to follow Jesus. He said, you know, I can't put that in a test tube and prove it to you. But that was my experience. In fact, over there in Portland, when we were studying, we worked in the library. And we'd often talk to students about what they were doing at Bible college. There was another young man who walked in one evening and I said, what are you doing here at Bible college? He said, you won't get this, but I used to be caught up in the occult and I was doing some rituals out in the forest and Jesus appeared to me. That's what I'm doing here at Bible college. I kind of scratched my head and I said, are sure you weren't sort of doing something with mushrooms or something? He said, no, Jesus appeared to me. That's what I'm doing here. (laughs) You see, there are times in which following Jesus, it gets weird. But that's all right, because God can be weird. And he turns up in incredible ways. And their experience here in this day of Pentecost is that he gave them the capacity to speak in languages and ways that other people could listen to. And that still happens today in various ways, but it was just a signal of God's fresh wind blowing new life into human bodies and transforming them so other people could hear of the good news they had begun to be witnesses. And so they called out, what does this mean? And Peter goes on and he says these words, because usually whenever there's God at work in a miraculous way, we're just going to click that forward. I'll go back one. There we go. Uh, What we want to do is what happens is that when God reveals himself, it's never just for the purpose of the sign itself. The sign is always pointing to someone or something. And Peter is about to explain to us that it points to the person of Jesus. Peter goes on and he says, In the last days, declares God, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Yes, even on your slaves, men and women alike, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. You see, what Peter was designating there is that these signaled, this outworking of God's spirit in human lives was a signaling of the last days. God was beginning something fresh, that his future reality had broken into the world when Jesus came to new life. And now that Jesus was sending his spirit now to, if you like, infuse themselves into the hearts and minds of human beings. And he was pouring it out just not on a select few but on everyone, 
In the past, God had spoken through his kings. God had spoken through his representatives, the prophets, just in a select time for a select place for a select reason. Now God was pouring out his spirit on all people such that everyone could hear from God, not just a few. And this was exciting to Peter and he just couldn't help. The person who had been behind the doors closed and and, and afraid and, and frightened now was standing boldly on the steps and declaring these things. And he signaled to them that the God's future had now broken in to the present and nothing would change that. Some years ago when our family was traveling halfway around Australia, it was about 10 years ago now, we made it all the way up to Darwin. And there in Darwin is some awesome fishing. And one morning I decided that I would get up and go fishing out in the bay. And the local said to me, be careful because at Darwin here we get tidal shifts between 9 and 12 meters. Not feet, but meters. So when you go out onto those mud flats fishing, when the tide turns, you just got to be careful. I said, sure, not knowing anything about that here down in Melbourne, because we just don't have tides like that. I got up early one morning and went out onto the mud flats. And there I was way, way, way off land. I went out to an old wreck and started fishing where the water was slack. And then sure enough, around the time in which the tide would change, it began to come in. And I began to cast my rod and feeling some tugs and bites on, on, of the fish on the, on the bait, I began to just sort of hang around for a little bit. The, the water was up to my ankles. But then after just a few minutes' time, the water was no longer at my ankles, but it was actually at my knees. Literally, not even after a few minutes. And so I began to walk back, still casting and walking back because I just wanted to keep fishing. The fish were biting. <laughs> well, sure enough, just within just a matter of a few minutes... I turned and the water had gone all the way in to the land and like we were hundreds of meters off. And so I began to uh, actually, I reeled my rod in at that stage and said enough's enough and I just began to walk in as fast as I could to get there because it was coming in so quickly. And that picture of that, if you like, intaking, that infilling of God's presence into the new creation was exactly, if you like, the picture that Peter had in mind. That God's fresh life was blowing into people. And if you, if you care to imagine it, it was like this new tide had changed. This pivot, this axis had shifted. And with Jesus' resurrection and his sending of the Spirit, it was as though the future had broken into the present and it was their reality. Well, goes on and Peter concludes and he says these words. He says, everyone and anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, easily substituting God for Jesus here, will be saved. What does that mean? It means that the new life that came into being when Jesus rose to new life from the grave comes alive into anyone who opens up their hearts and minds to him who accepts him as their king and their master of their lives. Sure, that word in the book of Acts is going to mean God's random acts of kindness, his rescuing of people from particular situations and circumstances. But in this case, he talked about now this availability of God to everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus. And so he goes on and he describes from these words. He said... To the people who were gathered from all the different nations, the Jewish people there for the festival of Pentecost. He says this in verse 36. So the whole house of Israel must know this for a fact. God has made him, this Jesus, both the Lord of this world and the Messiah 
of the Jewish people. This Jesus, the one you crucified. And in that moment when they heard those words, it says that they were cut to the heart and they said these words to him. Peter said, turn back and be baptized every single one of you in the name of Jesus the Messiah so that your sins can be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, Peter was very clear. He said, the gift is for you and for anyone who hears and anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus. He said, there's three parts, if you like. I want you to turn back. The word that we use for that is repent. Change direction. If you were heading along in your car and you were heading down the street that way and you realize you're going the wrong way, well, the sign and the signal for it would be a U-turn. He says, if you do an about face, maybe you are walking and heading away from God and now you want to head towards him. You've heard the words of Jesus that he died and rose for you, that God loves you and you want to turn towards that. That's called repenting. He said, when you turn to God wholeheartedly without any wheeling or dealing, he receives you. He says, what I want you to do is repent and then be baptized. Baptism, this symbol of being washed clean, being identified with Jesus, being plunged under the water. This idea of being purified and washed clean from the inside out. He says, and then you will receive the Holy Spirit. You see, when God comes into someone's life and he breathes his fresh life, his fresh energy, his fresh hope and direction and joy into them. It's as though he does a spring cleaning. He breathes his fresh life into our rooms and he washes it so that his presence may dwell. That's what God does. He breathes new life into tired old bodies. He washes them clean so his presence may dwell. And Peter said, this promise is for you and for your children, for everyone who is far away, for as many as the Lord our God will call. You know, sometimes the difference between experiencing God's activity in our lives or not is one of control. I'm heard the way that you catch a monkey is by this. You take a coconut or a watermelon, people have told me, and you peg it to something and you leave it there just close by to where the monkeys dwell. If you want to try and catch a monkey with your own two hands, it's just too hard because they're too fast and agile, they'll run up trees. But I'm told that if you want to catch a monkey, the way to do it is to cut a little opening in that watermelon or that coconut and place a bit of food in there that the monkey loves and make the hole just big enough so that the hand of the monkey can fit in. You see, what happens when the monkey comes and sniffs around and finds the food, it reaches in and clenches hold of that food, so much so that the clenched fist now will no longer fit and be pulled out of the hole that you've made in the coconut or the watermelon. It said even so much that a human being can walk up to that monkey now and the monkey so wants that food that the fear of the human being no longer deters it anymore because it so wants that. And sometimes that's how we can be with God. Whether you're following Jesus or not, this still applies as someone can say, God, I want to be doing things my way. And he invites us to trust him in a fresh way with an open hand. 
And Jesus comes to us and he says, will you follow me? Will you trust me? Because I want to fill you with my spirit. And I want to continue to fill me, fill you with my spirit if you would just trust. The hardest thing to do sometimes with God is to let go of my own control and open my hand to receive his fresh filling and his spirit in my life. We've asked a few people from New Community if they would talk to us about their experience of the spirit. We're going to pause right now. I've invited Megan if she would share with her her experience, if you like, of that letting go, that encounter with God by his spirit in her life. Have a listen to what she says. My name's Megan. I'm married to Jean and we've got three kids. So most of my time is spent at home being a mum, but I also work as a nurse. I do anaesthetics and recovery in the operating suite in the big hospital. I've known Jesus for as long as I can remember, but I wouldn't say that I knew the Holy Spirit until I was about 16. And when I was 16, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit where he came into my life in a really new way. And I just felt so full of God to overflowing that I couldn't contain him. And this was really new for me and a new experience. And it was amazing. It was when God really transformed me as a person. It was also confusing because I'd grown up as a follower of Jesus, so thought that I already had the Holy Spirit in me from what the Bible says. So I couldn't quite understand what had happened and this change that had happened in me because it was definitely the Holy Spirit consuming my life. The Holy Spirit can be hard to describe, and I think sometimes we can get tangled up thinking, who's God the Father, who's Jesus, who's the Holy Spirit? But I think for me, Holy Spirit is a very real, very important and very day-to-day presence of God in my life. The Passion Translation describes the Holy Spirit as the wraparound presence of God, and I love that imagery of the Holy Spirit wrapping around me. As I've come to know Holy Spirit and learn who He is and listen to His voice, I've come to recognize His voice in my life as well. And so I have God's Word and the Holy Spirit, the spoken living Word of God in me too, as the presence showing me the best way to live and how to be my best self. The Holy Spirit can encourage me when I need encouragement through bringing a song to mind or encouraging Bible verse to mind. The Holy Spirit can give me direction by teaching me how to do something or showing me how to do something and often this comes through pictures or Bible verses, dreams I might have, um, a knowing or an emotion inside that I recognise as the voice of the Holy Spirit as I practice listening. And he also brings correction in showing me a way that I'm not actually honouring God in the way that I'm living and show me how to do that better. So the way Holy Spirit works through me into the lives of others is, I guess, similar to the way that he works in my life. And it's just a way that I then outpour that into the lives of others. So I often will have a verse or a picture or a word of encouragement for someone that I would share with them. And often when I'm going places like to work or to church or to even the school drop-off, I'll be asking Holy Spirit on my way, is there someone that I can encourage while I'm here today? Is there someone that's on your heart that I can speak into their life and share Holy Spirit's heart with them as well? Because I think often He speaks, but if we're not tuned in to listen, then we miss it. And so as I have... um, learnt to recognise I now hear his voice in all sorts of places like through what I'm doing or through a dream or um, 
verses, Bible verses and all of those things and it just shifts my perspective and enables me to see things from the Holy Spirit's point of view. Well, thanks, Megan. That was brilliant. I wonder how God might be speaking to you today. I wonder how and what he might be nudging in your life. You see, this, this paradigm, this pattern, if you like, that Peter described, this one that's coming up on the screen right now, turn back, repent, believe, and receive. Those three things, it's so easy to make that is a pattern, if you like, um, oh, sorry, to make a, a formula, a formula by which we can actually control God. But what we're going to discover in this book of Acts of the Spirit is that whilst those three things are present, it's more of a pattern rather than, if you like, more than a formula. Because formulas are things that humans can control and God's wind and God's activity and God's ways cannot be controlled. So I'm excited for what's ahead. But right now, just right now, I wonder if we might create some space and pause. Because it's my desire that this morning would signal and continue something that's begun and been present in the life of our community that we might grow in more. And that is that there might be a deeper openness to the Spirit. That we might discover a fresh freedom in the Spirit. And that we might have a greater reliance upon God's Spirit in our lives. And it often begins when we, like those first disciples, pause and wait. Wait for God. Wait for God's Spirit. There's an ancient prayer that is, goes simply like this Come, Holy Spirit. Maybe you're far from God, but that's entirely appropriate for you today. Would you like to be filled with God's Spirit? Well, open up your heart to Jesus and He will send His Spirit. Maybe for you it's adopting a posture with open hands to signal to Him. Maybe you've been following Jesus for many years, but there's a dryness or there's a challenge or a wrestle right now. And the simple thing that He might be inviting you to do is to pray that ancient powerful prayer. Come Holy Spirit. And maybe as a signal, as a sign to God, just a posture of openness rather than closed, that you might quietly place your hands openly before God. And that you might pray that prayer. Come Holy Spirit. We're going to listen to a song right now and you might want to just close your eyes during it. Allow God's Spirit to minister to you. You might just... Open up your hands right where you are. As we wait, we pause. And we invite God to pour out his spirit afresh on anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus. So as we enter this space, I'm going to pray and invite God's spirit to come. Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Son, Jesus. We thank you for the Father. We know that you point to them. But now we ask that you might come. 
Come and breathe your fresh life into us. Fresh hope. Fresh challenge. Fresh presence. Fresh love. Come Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh, we pray.